Hello, and welcome to uh, Crying in the Book Club, the ninth episode of the hit new podcast from the hosts that brought you another podcast about comic books and are now bringing you the internet's second podcast about comic books. I'm your host, Jean-Luc, and I'm joined, as always, uh, by my good friend, uh, Emily. Hey, John, are you sure it's the ninth episode? Yep, 100%. Okay. And I'm also joined by our other host, Alex. Hey, yeah, I wasn't sure. You know, nine episodes in, I know that there was, you know, the comics podcast. That's the big show about comics, only one about comics. I wasn't sure if we were a comics podcast, but um, it's good to be the second one. It's not as good as being the first one, but you know what? They they ran so we could walk. The very first <laughs> podcast about comic books on the internet ran so that we could fly, I think. Sure. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I, think I, yeah. I think I said the opposite. I think I said a negative thing. Uh, you, did, you did. But we're now we're really good. We're really good. Yeah. I mean, we're in some ways better because we're also a manga podcast. We did a, our inaugural manga last week with Alita. So uh, we're going points. back to American comics. Yeah, I got to say Alita last week. Whew, my thoughts. So many. Oh, my gosh. But you'll listen to that show. To you said that so many smart things last week on the Alita show, Alex. I can't believe I like started. I can't believe we did the, the you know, the not the duet. Is it just a trio? Were we saying the like? Were we saying the the, the theme song from Alita? Yeah, it was just the two of you. I abstained out of respect. I swear we got three voices going, which is even more impressive. Like we must have. You know, you've heard it. I don't know why I'm rereading. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to. We don't need to do a recap of the previous episode every week. No, we don't. We've never done it before, so it's not. It's not really our vibe. No, Um, because every week's a new week, Um, and this week. Even though well, we're not, not a weekly It's podcast. not we're not a weekly yes. podcast. What Happy Pride we've Month, been, everybody. Uh, <laughs> we've been recording this show over the course of like what we're now up to like three months of doing recordings and I'm still like, Oh yeah, we're a weekly show. It breaks my brain because Yeah. Like in our schedule. We did a weekly we're like, show together like, for five years. That's yeah, exactly. that's why yeah. it breaks your brain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so we Yeah. We just are like, yeah, podcasts are weekly. They don't come out every two weeks what kind of fucking nonsense is that yeah yeah but yeah weekly podcasts those are for chumps yeah yeah some people sometimes like people are like oh we're gonna do a weekly podcast and then it just means that they only do 30 minute episodes and Imagine. it's not even weekly yeah. well and actually that's why I- that podcast is bi-weekly now and uh you will find <laughs> that there will be new episodes coming out within the next every other week Emily, that that was just a hypothetical, not connected to anyone thing. Which it was I'm, not. That was, a, that that was, was not, not targeted. It's not a call out. No, I mean, not every podcast can have a four episode Alita special, you know, like we did last week. Um, but that's you know what? There's only two comics podcasts, and one of them's dead now. So tough, tough, tough. <laughs> but how are you guys doing? It is tough. I'm the host. I asked the I asked the questions here, Alex. <laughs> All right, right. Yeah. Sorry, I won't be like cordial to my friends. I'll just just sit here. So how are you guys doing? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for asking. You're very, very kind. <laughs> I'm I, I mean I'm I'm I don't know. I'm okay. By the time people are hearing this, I'll probably be even more miserable. But you know, 
Yikes. That's yeah. Do you, but, do you want to tell the audience why? Do you want to give a little tease, a little bit of a... No. Okay, that's fair. You guys, you guys figure it out. Choose your, choose your own adventure, it's, otherwise John Luke's going to be miserable. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I'm miserable. It's, it's, it's the coercive system of labor under capitalism in which I exchange my labor for uh, payment at a value lower than what it is worth. That's messed up, man. That's the labor theory of value. By the time Ooh. that people are listening to this episode, I might have a haircut unless I chicken out. Let's go. It looks really good. It looks really good. Oh, I gotta well, say, it was, it was a bold take. But yeah, it's like, how do I describe it? John, look, how would you describe the new cut? Uh, how would you describe the new cut? Yeah, so I'm just so used to you having this like parted deal going on where it's mm -hmm. like half bald and, you know. So I thought the mohawk was a really weird change. Um, I wasn't mm -hmm. really expecting that. Um, I don't know if you got I, implants or something, because I don't think you had that much hair before. But you know what? No. It looks good. I like Thank that it's you. Sonic the Hedgehog blue, and it's kind of got like, it kind of looks a little like Sonic, but it's just like, like you know, you look fast. And that's what, yeah, it's the, what more could the you ask for. The rings that I had put in really accentuate that, that nice Sonic blue. And that is yeah. the color of the dye. It is Sonic blue. It's a, it's a brand deal that they actually had with the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. And my hairdresser just held on to these uh, long after that movie has been in theaters uh, just for this occasion. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. And after years and years of making green a core part of your brand, you're just like, I'm done with it. Gotta go fast. Fuck green. I, look, I gotta go fast. They haven't released a new issue of Snot Girl in two years. The green hair's out of here until they bring it back. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually protesting. Yeah. Leslie hung in shambles right now. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Like, like on Instagram, she's all like, "Oh, I'm doing pages. I'm doing them. What pages? Are these just like? I swear." That they're just doing this comic for themselves. It's her, Brian Lee O'Malley, and whoever else is on this book. And they're just like, oh, Snot Girl's so great. We're just going to keep it for ourselves and be happy. And you know what? That's fair. And you know what? I want to be happy. Yeah. And if they release a new issue of Snot Girl, I might be. True. Yeah. I might be. <sighs> just going to do the, the – we, we just have to add the segment to the beginning of every episode now. It's if, just like the Snot Girl status update. If they release new episode of Snot Girl this year, I'll dye my hair green. At least a little bit. We'll get some Oh, hell there. yeah. That's the – Hell yeah. That's the big bet. They're they're running out of time though. They've got like – there's like a month in the, left in the year. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy about that. So hopefully hopefully it'll stay. It's a win-win. Here's, you know? here's, here's, my, here's my commitment. If they there's release... a couple months left in the year – from when this episode comes out. Yeah, you're right. I, I fucked that actually. Yeah, I did. <laughs> we we have a time machine. That's that's all I'm saying. That's why we're a little. I will I will commit to this actually on the show is that if they release six issues of Snot Girl in calendar year 2023, I will dye my hair green. Wait, why don't? If they release an issue of Snot Girl this year, both of you get like just like a little like sh like a little chunk, like a little strip or something green. Probably because I'm going to be doing interviews for new jobs within the next it, two months. So you can put it in the under part of your hair, so you could always just hide, hide it. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll I'll huh. take it. I'll take both back. Alex, though, you have job security. I demand <laughs> this be in the front of your hair. I have job security. It's just that I wish I didn't. Don't look once job insecurity. That's the I, yeah. I want to. 
if, if, I get, if I get fired tomorrow, that just increases my quality of life by just an absurd amount. Yeah. And that means we would be a weekly podcast. So. Yeah, we could go back to. Yeah, we could be a weekly show. Although, I, I don't know. I mean, weekly we we'd still have so to. Stressful. They are. And well, a little behind the curtains because we've gone, you know, a few minutes and we're not talking about what we're talking about yet. So may as well keep that going. Um, it's nice to be able to like record weekly or not. And when you do, and when you're like releasing bi-weekly, it's just like, ah, we don't have to record this week. Or it's like, let's record six weeks in a row. Yeah. yeah. What you said at the beginning reminded me, do you remember that bit we used to do sometimes on the comics podcast where we would just talk about zero comics for the, like we would just do an hour, like an hour long podcast and talk about zero comics. Yeah. I used, that was in the era that I was a listener of the comics podcast. And uh, I used to listen to those at my old job delivering pizzas. So I have like very distinct memories of being in certain parts of town, listening to <laughs> the comics podcast. That's too bad. <laughs> I, I just think it would be really funny if we did that on this show because this show ostensibly has like every week like it's like a very specific theme that we're like digging in and it's supposed to be like tight and it's supposed to be like you know yeah. you're going you're talking you're doing that yeah. like right like it's supposed to be like yeah we do the banter at the beginning we have yeah. you know the beginning of the script is like 15 minutes of banter we're yeah, yeah. We have a script? Quickly on yeah. That, by the way. so if you want us to uh like if you want us to waste your time at the beginning of every episode write in let us know tweet at us yeah, at Crying yeah. Book Club. Crying Book Club. The intern will respond to your tweets. Yeah. Or Emily will do it when we give the intern a day off. That was really nice of, you know what? We're too good to the intern. A day off. Whew. They were threatening to unionize. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know how one intern would bargain collectively, but they were. Apparently they all They all talk. They all talk. Yeah, yeah. All mm. of all of the multiple personalities of the one person who does our tweets. Whoa, yeah. that's crazy. But if they ever ask for another day off, we're firing them. So if you're interested in getting your application in, yeah, we have competitive intern rates. Yeah, yeah. I'll forward you the Dropbox link to the Image Comics release for next week. <laughs> <every week. laughs> A thing yeah. we still get still shows up in my email every week. Yeah. Is the person who sends it named or my my off the goop? No, no, no. You're you're right. That's yeah. That's who you it should is. bleep that out probably. I I, I yeah. I'll, I'll I'll edit that out. Well, yeah. So much for the. So what are we talking about this week? Uh, Quinlan Voss. Yes, Quinlan Voss. Again? Dark, Dark Times, the new TV series just announced by uh, Disney. Are they, are they doing Star Wars still? Manifesting please. this. Hmm. Alex, please don't tell me that's true. It's unfortunately <laughs> it's not true. Okay, look, I can't tell anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they keep doing announcements. Marvel's talking about like they're stage six and they haven't they like haven't started stage five, and it's just like they made a know. movie called End Game, and now they're making like so many more movies. Also, like when I think of stages, I don't think of positive things. I think of like you know you have cancer, right? And like the more it goes on, it doesn't get better. Like you, you want to do stage one and get out, not get out. Like, what are we talking about, John Luke? We are talking about uh, the 2004 uh, comic book series written by Kurt Busiek and drawn by Stuart Immonen, Superman's Secret Identity, mm-hmm. uh, which is a uh, you know pretty 
I don't know that it's necessarily important, but you know, it's a pretty well-renowned and uh, beloved Superman story from the from the early two thousands. Um, that you know, what what is it? Eighteen years later, now that it's uh, now that it's an adult, we decided yep. that we're going to read it and talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> um, in large part because I think Kurt Busiek is a great writer, and I wanted to read this. Uh, so I'm subjecting everybody to it. Hey, that's what the show's about. That's true. Yeah. Although I, I wouldn't say so. I, I would hope it doesn't feel like I'm subjecting you to anything. I'd hope you are like excited about the the things that we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I guess we should uh, we can get into to Superman's secret identity. This is going to be your spoiler warning. We are going to spend the next 45 minutes or more talking about Superman's secret identity, and we will tell you the events of Superman's secret identity. Um, his secret identity is Clark Kent. So sorry for that one. Jesus. Uh, Spoiler alert. Or is it Superman that's a secret identity? What? Actually, this book, this book is not hackish like that. No, no. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's not a Batman comic. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just, like, I guess, you know, to give a little background before I dive into the, to the plot summary, uh, Superman's Secret Identity, like I said, originally published in 2004, um, and it was publishes four oversized issues. And something that I think is okay. actually super interesting about this is that it's an it's what we would refer to as an Elseworlds story, but it does not have the Elseworlds branding, and it did yeah. not have the Elseworlds branding at the time that it was released. Does it now? No. Okay, I was just making nope, sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, the Elseworlds imprint, like, existed, and this just, Kurt Busiek pulled the strings, you know, he was coming hot off of Justice League versus JLA versus Avengers, uh, so, although this is a few years, quite a few years after that. Bit of Astro City, um, too. Yeah, I mean, his stock is is pretty high up, he's, you know, pretty pretty well-renowned writer, even at, even at that, even at this time. Um, he... The, 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 the conceit of the book, I guess, is that there's a kid named Clark Kent who was named this by his parents. He was named Clark by his parents because they would be like, they were like, lol, wouldn't it be funny if our kid Psycho had the same shit. Name Psycho Superman. shit, honestly. Like, yeah, yeah. It's definitely like naming your kid Daenerys uh, in, you know, 2013 style parenting. Can I tell you guys? I deadass, there is a girl that I was in, like, high school with for, like, a year or two, and then who I am currently Facebook friends with, and she has a child named Khaleesi, not Daenerys. It's even worse. I Khaleesi, hate that. Yeah. and it is not even spelled the way that it's spelled in the show. It's like C A L E E S I. No, or something guess... like that. It might be slightly different, but I know it is not the K H because my sister was very into Game of Thrones, so I do know some of these terms. It's so... not spelled like that, but it is Khaleesi. On one hand, that's worse. On one hand, that's like it's like there's gonna be so many kids called Khaleesi, but at least this one's different. So you can like that kid can pretend that they're not named for the Game of Thrones character, you know. Although they you definitely can are. 
I wonder if it's an, I wonder I wonder if they just like didn't double check the spelling and they were like Khaleesi. It's easy. I think maybe they just wanted to name the kid Khaleesi but didn't want it to be the exact same as the show. And I guess if you start it with a C rather than a KH, you could like credibly call your kid Callie, for example, as a nickname, yeah. which is a real name. True. Um, yeah. So I just hope we pass Medicare for all by the time that kid is like 13 so they can pay for the, the therapy that will come with being named Khaleesi. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, this this book is about a psychotic brand of parents tormenting their child. Oh, yeah. Um, but the idea is that it's basically our world, right? There's no superheroes. The DC continuity doesn't exist until this kid named Clark Kent starts manifesting a power set that matches Superman's. Although they never really show him using the, the cold, the like cold breath thing. So I don't know if he has that. I don't, he's, he's a pretender. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fake. Um, <laughs> and so he, you know, puts on the costume, the Superman costume, one of, you know, many Superman costumes that he's been gifted as gag gifts over the years. And, you know, he is very much like, represents the Clark Kent Superman that we know in the traditional DC universe. Um, So the story just sort of follows him over the course of his life. Each of the four issues takes place in a different time period, starting off when he's like a teenager in high school, then through his college years, through early adulthood, and then ending when he's well into his, his sixties. So we sort of get to see him at these four different stage stages of his life. Um, Over the course of that time, he, becomes a writer, not a reporter, as he, you know, he, he he's explicitly says, I don't want to be a journalist. Um, but you know what? Props to him. We need fewer of those fuckers. Uh, and then um, he meets a, a woman named Lois, also not a journalist, but an interior designer. But her name is Lois, not Lois Lane, but Lois. Um, they have kids. They, Clark gets, has to like evade the CIA for his entire life, which, yeah, that sounds about Right? Yeah. Um, so that's sort of like the basic plot stuff. We'll get into some of the more specifics as we go on. Um, the one other thing that I wanted to mention before, you know, I dive into some of the, the talking points uh, that Kurt sent over to me before the show uh, um, <laughs> is uh, so the, the inspiration for this is something that Busiak talks about in the um, forward for the graphic novel release um, is that this character is sort of a mirror version of Superboy Prime. Um, so if you guys aren't familiar, uh, Emily, I'm fairly certain you haven't read Crisis on Infinite Earths. And Alex may be familiar with the events, but I don't know if you've read it either. Oh, I've read uh, it. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. I kind of like Okay. Yeah. So Superboy Prime is one of the, is a villain in Crisis on Infinite Earths. He's an alternate version of, of Clark Kent from Earth Prime um, who it grows up in a very similar, very similar circumstances where he is the only superpowered person on his, on his earth, uh, in his reality. Um, and that sort of drives him insane and drives him to be one of the big villains, uh, of crisis on infinite earths, which is like the, like first superhero comic event. Right. So yeah, pretty important character to the history of DC and something that Busiek looked at, Busiek being like a very much in my mind, like, yes, he's a modern writer, but very much like a classic comic style kind of guy 
sort of part of that wave of American comic book writers from the the 90s and early 2000s, like the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s, along with people like Mark Wade, who were sort of responding to the work of like Alan Moore and, and Frank Miller in the, in the, in the 80s, in the early 80s, um, very much taking superheroes back to their, you know, more golly gosh, gee whiz roots, you know. Um, but still with a more, you know, the, the still with the edge of like these aren't for kids anymore. And so he he's written about how he took that he he just didn't like that Superboy Prime concept that like that character would necessarily become evil uh, and would necessarily become a villain. Um, and so wanted to sort of flip that on his head, and that's sort of how he came to the concept of okay. Superman's secret identity, um, <clears throat> which will maybe inform some discussion that we'll get into, but. Uh, I'm curious. I, I, I know neither of you had read this before the show. Um, so what were some of your, you know, general impressions of, of secret identity? Like were the, I guess this part is mostly for Alex. Were you familiar with like what the concept of it was it before? Um, did you in, just like in broad terms, did you enjoy it? Did you like the narrative device that, that Busiek uses? Um, I'll hand the floor to one of you. One of you has to talk. Hello, I'm Alex. <laughs> so I I don't think I've read this before, but um, I I read it all digitally, and then I looked at my bookshelf and I had the book. So I got too many comics, obviously. Um, but I think I had read a. I think they did a Batman Secret Identity a few years ago. This is when we were still doing the comics podcast. With uh, Jean Paul Leon, too. Yeah. yeah, and that one was hard to get through. The first issue, I think, that's the only one I read. Didn't go past it. Uh, reading this one, I enjoyed it way more than that book. I mean, I finished it for thing. Um, I thought it was good. I think I think Busaic really nails the like core of Superman as as like a as like a person and makes him makes him believable in like the, a real world setting. And it never feels like he is solving these big things as much as he's doing good in the world. It, he seems like a regular guy, even with these crazy powers. He's like not. I know he's not like eradicating world hunger. He's not like fighting against supervillains because there aren't any. He's just like a guy who's just trying to do his best and help people and sort of be a positive force. But at the end of the day, he's just a guy, which I think which I think works really well in this. Um, so it was it was a cool cool version of Superman, and we, we we have a lot of those. And I'm sure we'll get to this later. A lot of popular things now where it's like, what if Superman was a murderer? <laughs> and it's like, what if he was a nice guy who was like. You know, name Clark Kent, and then he got powers, and having experienced that, and he got a family, and uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. But what if he had a family and was also a murderer? <gasps> no, just kidding. He's not a murderer. Oh, okay, good. I only read the first issue, so. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did not know literally anything about this book i knew that it was on our list and that we were going to read it and i knew what it was called and like i went in 110 percent blind so like i didn't know what i was in for at all and i really enjoyed this book actually uh it took me like a little bit to kind of like get a handle on the the premise itself like the the weirdness of like him being a super 
boy in a world where Clark Kent was a fictional character was like kind of weird for me at first, uh, especially like not knowing that that was the the idea uh, going in. But yeah, like I thought this was a I thought this was a good book. I I enjoyed my four issues with it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a well, I'm glad both of you enjoyed it. Um, but I mean, it is an interesting, it is an interesting conceit that like, there is Superman is Clark Kent and there is a fictional Superman who is Clark Kent and a real (laughs) Superman who is Clark Kent. I mean, it's literally something that Morrison would later do for multiversity of like, here's this dimension where all the superheroes exist and all these other superheroes are inspired by them. Right. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's very high concept and, Busiek, what I think, what I honestly love so much about Busiek as a superhero writer, and I think this manifests itself really well here, is that that high concept stuff is just like not a concern to him most yeah. of the time at all. Um, which, you know, obviously I love it when it goes in the other direction too. I mean, we've, I've talked, I've said before, eventually we'll do a Morrison book and I can actually talk about, <laughs> you know, what I love about Morrison. But this is sort of like the opposite direction of that, right? And it's it's incredibly grounded in like the first issue being, you know, him coming to term. Like it's a very, in, in some ways, it's a very standard Superman origin story of like, oh, Clark is coming to terms with his powers and limit testing and figuring out what he can do and what he can't do and like, what he wants his role in the world to be. Um, except this is a less idealized version of the world because in Superman, like in Superman origin stories in Superman comics, we tend to see like, and I, and I mean, not that the DC universe is like an ideal world or whatever, but when we see it through the lens of Superman, it does tend to be, I mean, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Like, you generally have a, a villain you're fighting up against and not, not just a villain, like, you know, superhero right. comics is like, Oh my gosh, there's a bad guy. You need a Superman here figure in this world, in this book, you, you, they don't really need him, which is, which is interesting. He's, you know, like the world goes on, people live, people die. Like the world um, benefits from him, but would probably keep on trucking without him. Yeah. There's no, you know, Brainiac doesn't show up in this book to put, metropolis in a fucking bottle yeah i was his i was waiting for a lex luther connection of something like alex I, I was wondering how far they were gonna go with like yeah me too it's close but yeah like like you were saying john luke like busaic has this like high concept idea where like all kind of fits like what if superman was reading about superman and became superman like kind of thing where it's like what kind of crazy but then it's just in the background it's it's the device to tell this story about like you know, growing up and becoming a parent and living and just like all, all that cool stuff, which is uh, interesting. And Busaic is like, he's, he does what we criticize a lot of writers for, which is like vomits words, but the difference is he does it well. And like, it's, it works for me. Like m- most of it worked in this book. There, there were times where like, I, I did end up reading this probably in four chunks because, you know, reading it all, all in a row, I think would have, would have diluted it a bit. Um, but for the most part, Busaic writes a lot and what he does is quite compelling. It's yeah. To, to your first point, I, I think it does behoove the book to like read an issue and then put it down for a little bit and then come back to it. Because That's what I did. Yeah. Like and it over really the course does, of a day. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to put a lot of time in between it, but having breaking it up like that, like from an, I think structurally helps because, you know, putting time between 
there's a lot of time that passes between issues. So from a structural perspective, I think that's, you know, a smart way to read it. Um, but also to your second point, like, yeah, I was, I actually wanted to ask about this because we've been, I would say not so much on this show because we've only talked about comics we like on this show, but in, you know, uh, in the past, we've all been like really critical of, you know, overwriting in, in superhero comics. And, but the, I, I totally agree with you. There's a rhythm to Busaic's writing that makes it feel that makes all of the, like all of Clark's monologuing feel like a natural extension of the story. And Busaic's also a guy like you, 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 you can sort of see the, the partnership with Stuart Immonen, right? Where there's never the panels where you really want to see what's happening are never the ones where there's, you know, a bunch of text on the page. Like just from a, a basic craft perspective, it's not, you know, it's not like you're, Right. Alex is holding up a great, like a phenomenal, a phenomenal uh, double page spread. And on that, there's like, there's one small word bubble in the top. Right. And that's it. You, it's not obscuring anything. It's not getting in the way when, you know, sort of the master of like the page turn, right? Like when you page turn to double page spread, there's a, maybe a couple text boxes. I think it's handled, you know, quite well uh, in, in that respect. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that that grounded nature is like such a such an important part of it, especially, you know, seeing Superman like through or seeing Clark, I guess, through so much of his life um, that this book is like more interested in his uh, interpersonal relationships than it is with his superheroics. Like you see the superheroics, you know that he's doing them, but it's never like, you know, there's never like a big, you know there's like one or two big like action scenes where you're seeing him, you know, actually handle like a natural disaster or, you know, when he goes to the, to the Hoover dam that the CIA, when the CIA blows up the Hoover dam to try and capture him, <laughs> which, you know, not, not so far from some things that have happened in reality. I No, I would absolutely believe that. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's, it's incredibly believable, but yeah. The, so much of the focus is on those relationships with, with Lois and other people mm-hmm. around him and how, you know, and, and that's, you know, one of the things that I think makes it so compelling. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, you, you touched on Stuart Eminent, but he, his use of shadows throughout is, is very strong in, in grounding it where like, whether it's the faces or whether it's just like, you know, this, this stuff going on around, it feels, feels like a dark lived in world and not, not dark as in like, you know, not hopeless or anything like that. Cause Superman, he, I, I'd still say he's very like, he's still, he hits the core of Superman as this figure of hope, this figure of positivity and everything. But it feels like, yeah, th- this, this could be our world at, at some time. And it's like, Eminem really does a, does a great job of bringing that to life. There's a level of grit to it, uh, to, to, to Eminem's yeah. art, I think that, yeah, like makes it feel more real and less, I don't want to say less comic booky, but you know, less sort of fictionalized. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would I would agree with that. But yeah, I mean, it is still a, a vision of, of Clark that is not at the end of the day, not so dissimilar from the ones that we see in, you know, traditional portrayals of Superman. It's actually one of the things that I think is so interesting about this is that usually when you have when you have these alternate universes, it's an excuse to like like we talked about Superboy. I you know talked about Superboy Prime at the beginning. It's like an excuse to, you know, make Superman a villain, right? Um, DC does this themselves with like, I mean, that's the whole conceit of injustice, which is incredibly popular and incredibly successful. 
Um, I mean, there's characters in like everything from like Invincible to The Boys has like some Superman analog that is like, what if there was an evil Superman? Um, or, or and like some of them are you know obviously the the perspectives on it are different like there are different things that like drive like you know Omni Man. Well, and also Omni-Man like Watchmen, are, which we've already yeah. oh hundred percent we talked about on this show. Yeah, I mean, 100% Watchmen falls it's into that It's sort of like well. it, almost an er example of, like, evil Superman. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, like, absolutely. Dr. Manhattan is, like, the, like, you know, what if Superman didn't give a shit? <laughs> like, and, yeah, and a lot absolutely. of writers, like, you know, took what I believe, and I think, you know, we talked about that we believe is the wrong message from Watchmen. And it's like, and, and you know, like those those gritty Frank Miller books, too, where it's like, well, what if superheroes were, like, not good people? Like, whoa. I, and I, like, I get the impulse behind that. Like, I really do. Because, like, I was, re- like, as an, like, as a teenager, I was absolutely, like, fiending for those, like, what if superheroes were kind of shitty stories? Because, like, that was just, like, I, I had grown up with the idealization of superheroes, so I wanted something that rebelled against that. But I feel like we have kind of, we have rebelled against the idea of, like, good superheroes for so long that it is almost more interesting and revolutionary to make them kind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like DC, DC Comics is current, or whatever. Warner Brothers, they're like, this is, I think it was two years ago the article, but they're like, they don't know what to do with Superman, and it's like, I don't know, it's like, it's kind of, kind of, kind of simple. Like, you Just know, you like make be him genuine, maybe make him. Yeah, I think uh, some some comic writer who name I forget, so sorry, comic writer, but like, just they said like, okay, make him inspirational, like make him a, you know, make him like a force for good, and then like build the movie around that. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be a. Zack Snyder-esque, if, if you will. Yeah. I mean, there there is an interesting... There is a... I sort of go back and forth on, on this as sort of a push and pull because there is, an, there is to me, um, a compelling idea that is, if you had a character like Superman who existed in an ostensibly real world, there are, like, real factors that might push somebody like that to be a different character than the one we're Absolutely. used to seeing. Yeah. Um, I think the boys that you mentioned, it does a very entertaining, you know, version of that, for sure, in, in Homeland. Well, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even, even both in the comic and, I mean, even in the, the, the Amazon Prime show, like, Homelander is a character that is literally created by a marketing firm you know like it's <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is obviously like that is that is an instance where i think like they take they, they actually change the circumstances of superman in such a way that would ex- make sense that he would be you know the sort of like petty evil person that that homelander is what what i think what, what i what i'm curious about in like secret identity is if you guys came away thinking that there was like if this is like a meaningfully different take on clark or if there are things about clark in this that are like meaningfully different from you know traditional portrayals of superman right because there's some things that come to mind i mean there's things about his backstory that are definitely different um but I'm, I'm curious where you guys come down on that. Like, do you think that this is just like, do you guys think, like, I guess the, the, the simplest way to phrase this is like, do you guys think that you could swap this for any other Superman origin story or any other like sort of Superman through the ages story? Or is there something about this that like, do you think there's a different take on the character 
in here at the end of the day? Uh, I think I think what it does well is that it sort of reinforces the whole Superman mythos, and it does it by like you know you you make it so Clark knows Superman, he's read about Superman, he knows who he is as a character, and his thing is that he sort of becomes the ideal and he sort of strives towards it, which is also like for many people what the thesis of Superman is. He's a, he's not just a being of like he does good; he's a being who inspires other people to do good, you know, in in everyday life. So I think. I think by being a bit on the nose there where it's like, your name's Clark Kent and now you have Superman powers. And he's like reading the comics. I, th- I think it's very, it's very familiar, but it does it in a way that sort of elevates the whole thing and just hits, hits it right at the core. Yeah, I, I mean, I like this story. I don't know that I think it, I feel like you could realistically like, swap this in for any standard superman origin story like i don't think it diverges that much uh and even like i sometimes i felt like the inclusion of the like concept of him knowing about clark kent felt a little like or knowing about superman as a fictional character like felt a little like much and maybe a little forced but like it's definitely some people who have critiqued this book on that axis that like yeah. it, it exists on like narrative contrivances and yeah you know, yeah so and it, I think like I and none of that made me dislike the book I did feel like it was kind of forced sometimes and I would kind of roll my eyes but like ultimately I came away with this with a good experience so even if you could swap this in for like any standard superman backstory i don't think that's a bad thing necessarily yeah. i know like, absolutely I think, I... I think this is a good book if you took out the stuff about him knowing about superman and just made this like a bog standard superman origin comic i like i would also be perfectly happy with that yeah the, 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 to me i think there's there's an uh, the only element of it that is like feels meaningfully different to me is that like there he's almost he's more reflective i think and more like he has he's more self-doubting than clark is right like yeah like which is which i think is actually an interesting take on the character right and one because a lot of the time when we see superman there's like no friction between superman and like external forces that aren't super villains right like the any any friction is like Superman and Lex Luthor hate like Lex Luthor hates resents Superman and wants to kill him with kryptonite, right? Yeah, or it's like a secret identity thing where he's like, "Oh man, I'm in love with Lois Lane, but I can't tell her." And like that's right. what the yeah. sil- the Silver Age was. That was it mostly. And you know, you, you throw in some fun villains, but yeah, and I, I'm obviously painting with a broad brush. There's obviously you know exceptions to this. I mean, I think when you look at like Tomasi and Gleason's run on Superman a few years ago when they introduced John for the first time, like that's obviously. The friction there is, I think, really compelling, um, which Superman having kids is also something we will probably get to because it is a part of this book. Um, but the thing that one of the things that I actually really liked about it is that there's a lot of there are a lot of moments when Superman is like or when Clark is like, I don't know if I should be do the Superman thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's there's like because every time he especially early on when he does it, it's like he goes out and he does he does the right thing and saves some people and whatever the circumstance may be. Uh, 
and then you know the cia tries to kidnap him and at one point they succeed in kidnapping him and like torture him for he, he's like in the in like a lab somewhere for for you know a day before he's able to escape and they torture him and he like sees all kinds of corpses of like other potentially super powered individuals that he you know pres- that he presumes they've like test been doing tests on and and so there and and you know when it comes to like that's actually the moment where he ends up telling lois right uh they've been at that point dating for a few months and i think that that's like one of the more compelling things is that like it's not a superman who's like totally invulnerable or at least he doesn't feel that he's totally invulnerable and so there's more reflection on like the concept of like is this worth the trade-off yeah and and, and like, obviously oh go ahead yeah no just like most like you said most superman stories it's not really a question of clark's never really or superman's never really questioning like should I be helping people or doing stuff? And it's like, in, in this way, like we talked about it earlier, it's like, there's no super villains to fight. There's not like a big threat that needs him, but it's like, so he's, you know, he's weighing that. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the critiques of, of Superman or a lot of the ones where they flip him around, whether it's like, you know, the boys or invincible, it's like, he's dead set on what he's doing. And that's an issue. He knows what he's doing. And it's like, you know, that's, <laughs> he's all powerful and he thinks he's all knowing. And that's a recipe for disaster. in you know, a lot of people. I mean, that's the whole thing with Injustice, right? Is that, like, he gets to a point where he, like, is like, well, I can stop all the bad things from happening forever. And don't I have a moral duty to do that? Which is not really a question that Injustice gets into. But, you know, but that is... Alex, I know you like the Injustice comics, but, like, the... No, it's it it's most of the fun in that is like you know it's it's another world. It's these characters reacting in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's not the Superman parts about that. At least from what I've understood from hearing you talk about it, the Superman parts of that are not the like compelling parts about injustice. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll talk about but, it sometime. Don't worry. Okay, but no, that is one of the things, and, and one of the things that like it does always come back to the point of like there's that scene like when he find I think it's like right after Lois tells him that she's pregnant um in the corniest way possible of sending him the fucking hallmark card which is adorable Extremely um, but he 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 you know he's like well they got me they got me once they've tried it again and she tells him like well you know you would you wouldn't you know you would feel like you weren't doing enough and i think that that's like there's there the, the, what what compels me so much about the way busaic writes clark here is that like despite the fact that he does often end up at a place of like, is what I'm doing worth the opportunity cost? It always like, there is room for reflect that reflection, but it always comes back at the end of the day to like, you know, what makes Superman Superman of like, he feels a, a moral obligation to, to help people and to, to do, to help people in ways that like nobody else can. Right. And cause we talked about like, Broadly speaking, yeah, like, you know, we live in a world where, like, natural disasters happen and there's famine and there's war and, you know, those things happen and the world keeps going, right? Um, but, you know, having a, 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 a good person with superpowers who can alleviate the suffering of those, you know, is meaningful. And I think that that's one of the things that, like, this book really gets into is, you know, even if he's not, even if the difference that he's making isn't the, like, 
you know, stopping the world from being destroyed by Lex Luthor's death ray or whatever. Yeah. He is meaningfully making the world a better place simply by like acting on it in, in the ways that he does. Yeah. I feel like it's something where like a lot of people, when they think of superhero comics, it's like, you know, the supervillain superheroes punching each other. So I think this, this would be a pretty good book to give someone who obviously knows who Clark Kent is and Superman. Cause just, you know, pop culture stuff and be like, and they come away with this, it's getting a nice view of like the character and everything. And still, yeah, I don't want to say a more mature version, but it like, a well, there's an edge to this that isn't necessarily there. And in, in, in other like mainstream on like an ongoing Superman series, there's things that wouldn't happen that, you know, they're able to do in this. They're also able to like change continuity in meaningful ways, um, which they can't in the, in mainline books. Um, I mean, this is something we talked about when we did the Gotham by Gaslight episode uh, a few months ago that like when you can like, and this is something that I think, you know, actually in, taps into that pretty well into the ability of like, we can just do something totally different. Like, we can make Superman have kids and like we can see an old Superman, you know, and, and that's, I, I think that that's, you know, it, it, that's, that's, it's cool that, you know, they have the, the room to, to sort of do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've got a, you know, a couple other things that we can get into. Um, I mean, like I said, the old Superman thing, I mean, this book takes place in over multiple time periods. So I'm curious what you guys thought about that as a storytelling device, what you thought about, like, how Clark changes with the time periods, how the, the types of stories change with the time periods. Um, I liked it. I like uh, the concept of superheroes aging. It's not really a thing that you get to see in a lot of mainstream comics. Uh, I mean, you know, with, with, reason like you want to keep the story going so you can't just have people aging in real time but i like that we get to see the impact of aging on uh you know clark as a character and uh i don't know i i liked uh i i don't know like i thought I thought some of the rhythm of this book in, like, the second half, once we introduced, like, the daughter characters, I thought that that, like, I didn't think it was as tight as, like, the first half of this book, probably, but, like, I didn't dislike it. I just, like, it didn't feel as, like, I don't know, it it, it was just not, like, as on point as I felt like the first half of the, the story was. But I, I like it. I like it in concept, and I thought that the execution in this book was was pretty good. So I, yeah. I didn't really have that many complaints about it. Was it was it like that in in those issues? It like it, like because in the, the first issue is just like about like the first two issues are very much about like one thing. Where the first yeah. issue is like it's about it him a lot more Superman and it felt a lot more cohesive in those first two right. issues. And then like the, the latter half of the story, like I didn't think it was bad. I just felt like it wasn't as cohesive. Yeah. But, like those two, the, those first two issues have like their own narrative arcs. And then, mm -hmm. yeah. Which is kind of like what aging is. I don't know. Yeah. So, like, well, I, feel like, I mean, that's like, fair. It's it, yeah, I feel like the pace really picks up at the end and it's kind of like, yeah, like his first 30 years of his life. And then the last, like, you know, 40 or so years of his life he, he doesn't you know spoilers he doesn't die at the end um 
but he, you know, he gets old and it seems like right after he has the kid, which is about the halfway mark, it like goes really fast to the rest of his life. And maybe it's just like mm-hmm. there aren't as many, like after having a kid, that's kind of like a big, big, you know, my, milestone and everything. And he, he does have the big milestone later on, which we, I guess we haven't talked about, but he has kids and he's like, I, I like the fact that he didn't know if, if they had powers or not. And they were sort of worried about that. And then it turns yeah. out they did have powers, but then they didn't tell him until, you know, one day he's out there saving the day and his kids are there. I think it, it was, it was also that great moment of like, you know, the core of Superman where it's like inspiring other people to do stuff. And it's like, also like the parenting thing like you never you do your best as a parent but parents don't know what the hell they're doing for most of the time and like to have your kid what seems like turned out well and going to you know save the day and everything both of them together and uh, it was a, was a really nice moment i do like the page where clark and lois are like trying to bait them into showing superpowers his kids it's like it's like yeah i just <laughs> threw up, i just <laughs> threw balls at them i threw basketballs at them like really hard yeah. to see if they that's not what happened every <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, no, basically. That's, that's not, not exactly. I'm, I'm exactly. If they did that, I think I would have still liked it though. That, that would have been funny. <laughs> not quite the tone, but yeah. yeah. And, and then I like that, like when Clark thinks he's figured it out, he's like, he because he, he's an, he's an, he's an, like I said, he's not a, he's not a journalist. He's an author. He he writes like uh, novels and, and books, and he like leaves out the manuscript of his new book, which is about like discovering people with superpowers. Uh, like I, I I love that stuff of like the. And I, I, that's actually I, I really enjoyed that part of the that element of the last issue of the whole because like that's like taking, you know, the sort of like Clark Kent Superman ethos and like applying it again, like grounding it, applying it to his personal well, personal life rather than a broader sort of concept of like, yeah, I'm saving the world. Right. But it's like mm-hmm. also being, you know, a good per like part of part of his, his ethos is just like, yeah, you know, my kids, I raise them and, you know, I'm not going to like force them to tell me if they're doing superheroic stuff like they can like they're fine they're adults yeah. I, I know my limits i you know cia got me once but i showed them you know <laughs> he kind I of became like, friends with the agent oh yes i was that was literally what i was about to bring up was i really liked his little friendship with the like cia cia agent or whatever he was like that I just that that brought me uh that brought me some joy. Yeah. No, I love that bit at the end where Clark's doing the thing where he's like, Maybe I should have gotten him something. Like I I know everything about this guy and then like yeah. at the end he's like, No, I knew your identity the whole we I figured out we figured out your identity at, mm-hmm. at some point. Your books are I like your books, by the way. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. No, it's it's good because it's 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 a the like that that rapport that they that they build up like which mm-hmm. obviously like they're very ad- tense with one another um, because there was a point in the book where Superman where Clark decides like oh I've got to maybe start working with them so that they stop yeah. coming after me and my my and they don't come after yeah. my family um, yeah because we alluded to it but they like the CIA ends up setting up a bunch of fake like disasters for Superman to respond to so that they can try to capture him and he tends to know what they're doing every time yeah yeah um and he voluntarily decides to start working with them yeah 
which you know you hate to see that um but i mean this book came out in what 2004 like 2004 yeah yeah that i would not expect... i mean it's still it's still critical of the cia it's not like oh for sure yeah. i just i would not expect a book that came out in 2004 to not have him working with the cia in yeah capacity. actually what i what i like about it is that like or one one thing that I did like about it is that like in, in I think it's in, in the end of issue three because it happens while Lois is giving birth mm-hmm. is the they ask him to do this like op in Nicaragua or I don't remember if they say the name of the country it might just be like some Latin American country where they ask him to go in and do this op um, and the whole time is like there is he's conflicted about it right like and mm-hmm. and he still does it but like. that's another thing that goes back to that sort of like this being maybe a little bit more reflective take on the character where like, you know, he's not like a stars and stripes. I, you know, what the things that I do are good by nature of me doing them, you know? Um, Which again, goes back to the point about like other, like that's sort of the Superman and injustice thing. That's the, the Homelander thing in the boys to, to a lesser extent, other, other portrayals, but like that is kind of like the, that is kind of like the thesis on like the anti-hero or villain Superman is that like I do if I do it it's good because I'm Superman. Yeah. You know this is a, this is a Clark this is a this is a version of the character who is like I I want to do good in the world but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything I do is good. Um, and sure. it doesn't like it's it's interesting because like he always keeps himself concealed. Which another aspect of this I think is really interesting is that he always the, the public doesn't know about Superman right like yeah he, there's like you know a bunch of like conspiracy theories about him, like sightings yeah. and stuff. And the CIA um, is like actively trying to hide it too, which is, which is a funny little, like, like they're trying to catch him, but they don't want the public to know at the same time. Well, cause it kind of, the implication of the end is that the CIA like did a bunch of tests that made, that made him right. Like that, like, and, and, and a bunch of other super powered characters as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, um, although they don't, they don't really get into that, but what did you guys, I like, I'm curious. What did you guys think about the like Superman? Like, hiding him not just his identity as clark kent but also like hiding himself from 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 the public like because traditionally that's a big part of superman right like yeah i mean i think it's just the smartest move like i you know i like the way that he like so meticulously went about like making sure that they like he would come from different directions when he was gonna (laughs) Uh, be interacting with something he knew was a CIA op or like you know he like he went to such great lengths to uh, keep his identity hidden even though like it turns out they knew like I I thought that that was just hey you know I thought that that was uh, an interesting aspect of this like the way that the writing goes into the all the details of of how he kept his uh, identity, or if he tried to keep his identity hidden. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, like, that might be the biggest difference between this and regular superhero comics, or Superman comics, where he's, like, he's 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 out there, and he's, like, a in-your-face beacon of hope. Whereas here, here's, like, he's just doing, he, you know, he's, he's, he's doing them anonymously, basically. He's doing anonymous good deeds um, mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it's, like, would he have been you know, more of a positive impact if he people everyone knew about him, who who knows? And I kinda like that it is different in that way. Um where he's mm-hmm. where he's not just out there. Yeah, I mean I really like that like the climax of the first issue is that he's gonna 
go reveal himself to the world, right? He's going to go to the the state fa- the fair in in Kansas, and he's going to yeah. You know, uh, he's going to be Clark. Everyone's going to know. Oh, Clark can dress up as Superman, mm-hmm. and then he's going to fly <laughs> and you know make it. Yeah. And then, but then you know, there's a disaster that that is orchestrated by you know to because they're journalists. You know, <laughs> well, putting on the the tinfoil hat that the the comic won't do it uh, explicitly, but yeah, that journalist is absolutely a CIA plant. That is like that is not a real journal. That is a there's a there's a great moment there where like you know Clark then decides in the moment because he he, he figures out that the, that this this person like blew up on purpose and like and she did it so she could get the exclusive for him. So like him revealing himself at that time or maybe ever would not have been a good idea. And he's like holding up a steel beam. And he's like, looks so strong. And then he's like, whoops. And then he like drops it. And he's like, hell. Yeah. It's like, he gets yeah. like crushed by it. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great moment. And I think it's, him. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that like, it's like, he never has to deal with like this sort of like public expectations of him. Right. There's no, like, there is like, it's weird because there's a Superman mythos in this world, but there's yeah. not a, you know, Clark Kent mythos. There's no know? potential Clark- for an ego trip either, right? Like he's not like it like his choice not to do it out there, it just kind of almost is more Superman than it, it kind of like reinforces it by not being it, where it's like it's not about mm-hmm. the acclaim, it's not about like having this power and everyone knowing it. It's about like, you know, trying to do his best in the world. So Yeah. And and there's no like um there, there's no like cult of personality or, or that's probably not exactly the phrase I'm looking for, but I mean, I, there's no, I think I know yeah. what you mean though. Yeah. Like either like he, there's no expectations on him. There's no like fame or anything that comes with it, which I think yeah. is not that I think Superman normally is like, does it for the fame or anything, but I mean, there is a question that, that, you know, has come up in the in past Superman co- comics of like people put him on a pedestal and see him as being perfect and he doesn't necessarily think of himself that way, right? Like, he doesn't, like, yeah. that's, like, you know, something that I think is not really addressed often, but is probably pretty core to the character is that he doesn't see himself as infallible. Um, and that's that's why I like that, like, you don't get that discourse with him and, like, people who think he is, but he has, that's, like, so much of the, the, the internal conflict in this is that of, like, yeah. you know, he doesn't believe himself to be infallible, and that has to inform, like, his decisions. Um, so... Absolutely not. I think that that's like a, a, a big part of the one. Of the, I think that is like, like Alex said, I think that that's like one of the, the bigger departures from, you know, normal uh, or, or standard Superman comics. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the I, I guess we, you know, we've sort of touched on this already. But I mean, like I said earlier, Busiek's sort of like known for frequently writing about superheroes outside the context of their superheroics, um, you know. We talked. It's, it's actually interesting because a couple episodes ago we talked about that uh, issue of Tom King's Batman run that is like about Clark and Bruce and Selina and Lois like having a date night and not you know doing any uh, like not doing any superheroics. Um, is that something that you guys w- think that you gravitate towards like more or less than normal superhero comics? Is you know do you wish that there was more space for that in mainline books? Do you think that it's like cool when they do it in this stuff, but not really like what you would want to do would you rather there was more interest in like the people that were behind the masks so more interest in like clark kent than superman or more interest in bruce wayne than batman because that's almost what this book is to me is it's a clark it's a clark kent book not a superman book yeah 
Um, I, I mean, I love that stuff. And I think, I mean, in a perfect world, you have it alongside, but you have it alongside where like, if it's like a 50, 50 split, I think that's great where you got the fun, super heroics and the villains and the, you know, like crazy fights and stuff like that. And the team ups, but then you also have like, Hey, they're people too, you know, they got powers, but like, and not like in a cynical way. I mean, like, you know, there is room for that and other stuff, but that's not what I'm really looking for in superhero comics. Um, in that I Astro City is just like such a fantastic series too, um, where it's just like it's all that. And I think, I, th- I think it'd be cool to like read the early issues of that because I haven't done that yet. Um, I started one of the one of the one of the newest runs, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's really good. And like comparing it to Tom King's one, which I actually did end up reading it after the show, and it's like, you know, y- you take that and you compare it to an issue of Astro City, or you compare it to this book, and it's very it's very surface level that one. Whereas this one is feels like a far deeper and much more realized one. And not that they're, that one's, you know, terrible or anything, but um, I just think Busaic just has such a knack for recognizing that. And that's something that I just love seeing in superheroes. And it's something you don't see very often too, which like, yeah. Yeah. The thing about like something like this or something like the, uh, the Superman and uh, Batman going to the carnival, uh, issue like it's almost it's almost sort of like you could use these as like a baby's first hero comic like and I don't mean that in a bad way like I just as someone who doesn't always read superhero comics as they are coming out constantly like I appreciate being able to have stories where it's kind of about like the slightly more human element than rather the like convoluted uh superheroing element that I can kind of jump into and read and not have to worry about like what happened 10 issues before necessarily yeah. like I understand like I like also uh comics with like a heavy continuity like that so it's not like i i only want these types of stories but i like being able to just sort of like sit down with like a simple ish superman comic and like get a full superman story without having to worry about some like big event that just happened in the dc universe yeah and and one thing I like about Secret Identity is that it still has like like it has like that personal aspect of it. That's most of what the book is, but it's not like mm-hmm. there's a zero like superhero spectacle. In yeah, it. absolutely. So, oh yeah, it, it's not always in the same terms. I mean, like there is the like that scene where he stops a train from derailing and his daughters are there helping him. Like that's very classic superheroics. That's, and that's great. But there's also like that moment, like the scene after he finds out Lois is pregnant and they go out on the boat and he's doing like the flips out of the water. And there's that double page <laughs> mm-hmm. spread, which is just like, I mean, it's just it, that, and, and imminent does such a great job of capturing like the spectacle of that makes superhero comics. So like compelling on, from a visual standpoint, from like a, you know, you just look at it and you go, that's cool sort of standpoint yeah. uh, which is a huge part of superhero comics and and incorporates that into a story that's not that you wouldn't think necessarily would have that same degree of uh 
of spectacle. Yeah. It, it gives it like a 70-30 split where like 70 is non-spectacle, 30 is spectacle. Maybe even a little less, but like it yeah. it works. And like when you have a little less spectacle, it's even more impactful too. And it's like 65-35. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go, we're gonna do a project where we go through the pages and say this one is spectacle, this one's. <laughs> That's for our Patreon listeners and viewers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to ask you guys a question because I was just thinking this. Um, you know, this book is about if you know, basically, if this guy named Clark Kent became Superman, right? So in the Batman Secret Identity one, do you think they like, gun his parents down? Like, is that? Is that part of it? You think like Busaic has a scene where like his parents, like they're walking to the movies and his parents are like, because that's, that's like very integral to Batman. It's that, it's that, you know, it's that pain and that hardship of like, I've lost someone close to me. Whereas that's not really Superman. Superman's like, he kind of feels, you know, he's a guy from a different world. So I, I, I'm just curious as someone who didn't actually finish reading that one. Like, geez, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Talking about Creature of the Night, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, Creature of the Night. It's the okay, same. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, I it's this concept. This probably t- shows how just how little impact it had on you. But they do murder his parents in the first issue. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's fantastic. I, 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 I'm gonna read that one now. I'm gonna see see how it goes. That does that does happen. Yeah, that one is compelling because it has this more like supernatural bent to it, Mm -hmm. is which is interesting. But I, 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 it's been so long since I read it. I don't remember my memory of it isn't particularly fresh. Yes, we got a good writer. It's kind of like the inversion where, like, if I remember correctly, he likes Batman comics. Like he's like really into Batman comics, and like he he likes being named Bruce Wayne. Like he thinks it's cool. Which I think is, you know, in keeping with. It's it's coming back to me. Does, is, does he somehow like set up the murder or something? Or is, is no, that a different it's one? not a it's not a Tommy Elliot and Hush situation. Oh, okay, okay. It's it's not a I killed my parents so I could become epic. Um, it's not. No, 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 it's not quite that. Oh, it's like it's like an it's like, it's like a robbery gone wrong. It's in the, the same thing. Like it's the it's a yeah. it's it's not exactly the same setup, but it's the same sort of like, you know. He's a rich. He is a rich kid with rich parents. They get robbed. They get robbed. They're not supposed to die, but the guy kind of like freaks out and shoots them and, and kills them. Right? But then can't kill the kid. You know what? With with John Paul Leonard, I might actually give this another go. We gotta put it on our list. I think I called him John Paul Valley earlier in the uh, episode, which is the which is Azriel's actual identity. Oh um, yeah. So if I do that, I'm sorry. Yep. It's Jean Paul Leon. Jean Paul Leon, a fantastic. Artist. Maybe we'll add it to the list, Emily. Yeah. Yeah. It would be future. an interesting one to do, I think, especially like having done the secret identity. I mean, it makes sense that like that's so integral to Batman, but it's just funny that this book about like, oh, I love Batman, then your parents get shot. <laughs> yeah. So my answer to the question is yes. In the Batman version, I would kill his parents. Sick. <laughs> in the Flash version, I don't know if I would put his dad in jail though. Mm. And I don't know enough about Hal Jordan's relationship with his parents. His dad was a pilot and died. And died, right, in Korea? 
something like that. I think it changes. No, I'm I'm actually confusing because I think I think I'm just getting it confused with New Frontier. How Jordan is a how Jordan is a pilot in Korea. In yeah, that that might be in New Frontier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, Superman. You people have read too many comics. I you know what ever since we stopped the the first co- po- podcast about comics I've read less so that's a lie I bought so many trades actually shoot but it's been complete stories I have I have closure that's how you ended up with Superman's secret identity I I got a problem if I didn't remember like buying this and I didn't read it like Jesus I I, I will say. Uh, on the back, sorry, it says the sold-out critically acclaimed miniseries is collected in this handsome volume. It so is a nice, handsome volume. It's nice a handsome volume. Hmm. Nice handsome little volume. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get into uh, some some you know wrap up stuff, was there? Did you guys have any sort of like closing thoughts on uh, secret identity? Any anything that we didn't quite get to that you wanted to shout out or, or talk about? Not really. I think it holds up well. Not on my end. I I feel like I said my my piece on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're reading in 2022 and I think it holds up very well for a book, you know. Absolutely. It, it, it hits that timelessness that Superman sort of has. So um, it's good. Yeah. Like I had no idea this was an early 2000s comic book, which is not usually the norm when I'm reading an early 2000s comic book. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not usually right. Usually, usually, usually come away saying, "Going, goddamn, this sure was written in 2004." Like I would have, <laughs> if you had asked me to guess, I would have like probably guessed that this was like a 2012 book. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, it's it definitely just feels like a contemporary, you know, superhero comic book in the, in a way that like a lot of uh, you know, not everything does, right? Yeah. Um, like even things that are like classics and timeless, like you know you. Watchmen is very much of its time, you know, even like, you know, sw- like Saga of the Swamp Thing or, yeah. or and, you know, Frank Miller's Daredevil. It's part, it's part of the charm too, right? Like that's yeah, like... 100%. 100%. Cool. Well, I guess we should get into what, since we're, you know, crying in the book club, uh, I would ask what character cries the most, but I don't know that there's like enough full characters. So what, a what event do you think Clark, when do you think Clark cried the most? in this in this series Hmm. i'm gonna be real uh i did not i okay we were supposed to record this episode like a couple of weeks ago that's true and i read it in preparation for that i did not reread it so um i don't know i think it's it's either when he's a kid and everyone's giving him Superman stuff and he hates Superman and he's all like, you know, then he goes to his room and he just, you know, starts crying. Or when he's like his, you know, his daughters, you know, come and save the day with him. As like you know, a oh, nice Oh, yeah, no, I'm going yeah. to say that he does a happy cry when his daughters save the day with him because that, yeah. it, that was really sweet. Uh, yeah, that was very sweet. I re- Moved I my, my ice cold heart to tears. Your cold, dead heart. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely like. There's a there's a number of moments in that that last issue that really got me. Uh, that one about like he he's just as like that one double page spread of him like up in Antarctica watching the sun go down, 
There's yeah. just like a lot of really beautiful. I mean, Stuart Eminem captures that sort of like sweeping, those like large pulled out shots so well. Like he does such a good job with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, that has been uh, Superman's Secret Identity, um, which is the topic for this episode. But we've got some other, got some other stuff before we get out of here. Um, you may be hearing a, a little bell sound, a little alarm, something going off in the background. There's probably something in there, uh, which is the sound of the doomsday clock, which means that it's time for a very first segment on crying in the book hub, which is our very first cry space. You would think maybe we would have introduced this in episode one it's thematic to the title of the show. Yeah. We're nine episodes in. We're like, no, we'll do it now. We'll start now. Um, so, you know what? I'm the host. I'm, I get to punt the football. Uh, to Damn, he's two. a sportsman. <laughs> I guess it's, it is football season. So, um, what made uh, what's uh, something that made you guys cry this week? Uh, Alex, do you want to go first? Nope. Or? Nope. Okay. Um, that's I, what you get I, for asking. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, he- I can, well, mine's a little like mine's a little unfortunately real. Um, oh, no. So I uh, I'm not going to give too many details about this, but I have been uh, trying to get my ducks in a row to schedule a uh, an elective surgery, and I was just about fully. Uh, fully done with everything that I needed to do before submitting it to the dreaded American insurance. And uh, my spouse's job got acquired by another company. So now our insurance is changing. And I don't know if the procedure I was supposed to be getting is going to be covered. And we don't have our new insurance information, even though the next month starts as of recording in just a few days. So uh, I am in the limbo of not knowing if the thing that I have been like working on doing stuff to get this approved for since May uh, is going to be covered by my insurance. So that definitely made me cry earlier this week. And this is why, you know, as many truth-telling politicians will tell you, Americans love their private health care. They love their health care. They love their private health care. Love my private health care. Yeah. The uh, the Premier of Ontario is trying to get us private health care. Um, oh, you're going to love it, dude. It rocks. It's so you're, good. It rocks. Every time you go to the to the doctor they're going to try to charge you like thousands of dollars that your insurance should cover. And you might have to fight with your insurance for like three months uh, to actually pay for the things they say they're going to pay for. It's so cool, dude. It's like such a cool thing. It's like you get to like be on the phone for hours. It's like really fun. My brain is like very comic uh, related. So this is like people selling me on Batman hush and then me reading it. And it's like, (laughs) they're both negative. Um, 
but yeah, I, I hope that the insurance thing uh, sorts out, Emily. So Every, this will everything is gonna be fine, like no matter what happens. Like, but it's just annoying, and I did yeah. cry in real life about it. <laughs> yeah, that's I fair. I can't blame you. Yeah, and I mean, like you were ready for it, right? So it's like yeah, I literally like all that needed to be done was have like everything that I had done, all the appointments I had been to, submitted for insurance to let them know of my intentions to get surgery, and then like now I have to figure out a whole new insurance company. <laughs> but Damn. alas, if you like your private health insurance plan, you can keep it. <laughs> okay thanks <laughs> thanks what about um, you alex what made you cry this week uh i i already i, I kind of talked about it before the show but those on the show those listening to the show those listening to the show haven't heard it yet we're um, on the show you are on the show thanks for being on the show guys oh thank you yeah that's the thing um it's it's it's, it's a happy cry and it wasn't you know i didn't actually cry but it was uh so my cousins from ukraine are here living here um, and for the young one's birthday, he wanted to watch Star Wars and he wanted to watch the Star Wars first. And then I told him it's 40 years old. And he's like, I don't want to watch a 40 year old movie. Oh God. I don't know if I want to watch it anymore. God fucking zoomers. <laughs> and then, you know, episode four plays and like by the end of it, he's just like, yeah, Luke Skywalker. And he's like this blonde kid who looks kind of just like Luke Skywalker, like same, same like length hair and everything. Oh, I love um, that. And then his mom was really into it too. So uh, today we finished episode five and they figured out that, you know, Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker related. They don't oh know both. My, my cousin asked, um, I mean, like, who's who's Leia going to end up with, Han or Luke? And it's like, oh, you'll find out oh. next episode. Oh, and you'll boy. be like, oh, God. So, yeah, no, it was just like I was saying before the show. It's like so strange to have someone who hasn't like seen Star Wars or know about Luke and Vader and stuff like that. And uh I know Star Wars for over the last few years has been very toxic with like the fandom and stuff like that. So it was like a nice pure Star Wars moment to go along That's with. such a joy. Yeah. To go along with watching Star Wars with Jean-Luc on Discord, even though some of them aren't good. So, you know, it's good. Someday I'll watch episode uh, seven, eight, eight, I think. I don't remember what the numbers are. What What is Rise of Skywalker? Nine. You haven't seen it? Nine? Oh, no, lucky. I still have not seen uh oh. I still have not seen Rise of Skywalker. We'll do an episode like four years four years after it's come out. It's good. I would watch it with yeah. the two of you for sure. <laughs> yeah, gonna make me sit through that movie. Is this is, is is this your cry space on Luke? It's happening right now. <laughs> no, my cry space okay, my cry space also I had one that was like a real life thing, but I decided to go with something a little more uh you know a little fun uh because yeah. this also made me cry but it made bring me cry some levity to the podcast <laughs> it made me cry laughing so if you'll look in your discord in in our discord channel right now you'll see a link i got a notification uh, to a <laughs> Why 24, is 24 second video this will probably not mean anything to alex emily will at least understand uh the context to of load, this uh, discord. um so this is a video from Twitter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so this really killed me a couple days ago when I saw it for the first time. This has been around for like two years now, I guess. Um, but it is the third impact scene from uh, End of Evangelion uh, with uh, a 
downtoned version of Panic at the Disco's High Hopes playing over it, intercut with footage of Pete Buttigieg supporters doing the High Hopes dance (laughs) during the 2020 (laughs) Democratic (laughs) primary. Um, And let me tell you, those 24 seconds had me in stitches. I I, wa- I must have watched this video like six times back to back a couple of nights ago when I saw it for the first time. It's There's something just... hypnotic about it. I, I've never seen Evangelion. I know Pete Buttigieg very, very, you know, from what Jean-Luc talks about. But wow. Wow. Are you watching it, Emily? It's... Can... Can this be our I outro? I keep watching it for the second time. <laughs> oh my god! So, oh my god! <laughs> that was so much. It's it's really a lot to. to I might be almost in tears right now. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. oh boy. I just have it on loop on, on loop on my other It's monitor. so catchy. Like, and knowing yeah. that it's Pete Pete Buttigieg supporters oh doing the, doing the, the yeah. The, the, another fun fact that you may, you might not know this Alex and Emily yeah. I I you probably know this. There is like a specific dance that they did that the Pete supporters did to High Hopes and it was mm-hmm. like <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it was it, it, really corny. It is cult-like in nature. Um, I'll, I'll oh, send you. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, send you. I'll send you a link it, after this. It was really corny. Yeah. Wow. Um, Keep your politics out of my comics podcast. <laughs> but that was that's uh, yeah that's my um, that's that's my uh, cry space for the week because I found it really fantastic. Funny. I'm putting a YouTube link in the Discord chat for the the actual high hopes video. Oh yeah, um, I I've seen the dance. I yeah, I know you've it. I know you've seen it. I I, I want to subject Alex. To All right, the, here we go. Press and play. Oh God. What is it? It like doesn't Alex, go with the music at all. Can you do the dance, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha ha hopes for the Okay, also okay, I just you know what I'm seeing, it's a lot of people dancing. A lot of them are like middle aged white people. And they're like doing like the Macarena, but it's to like high hopes. And and, and but they're all doing it perfectly in sync. Like, I don't know how long they practiced this. Oh, no, no, mama it's, said. What I, love, what I love about the High Hopes dance is that every time you see it, the people doing it are perfectly in sync, but it is not at all in sync to the music. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like, hi. It, the, wow. Now I'm going to so watch anyway. the, I'm going to watch the Evangelion <laughs> one again. It's so much. <laughs> I, if you only knew the context for for the Evangelion stuff, it also then you would then it would be but, next next level. Even yeah, yeah. But but that won't happen this week. Maybe someday we'll get Alex to watch Ava. We could read the Ava manga for this podcast. 
We should read the like they did like an Evangelion like slice of life spinoff manga. Yeah, the Shinji uh, Ikari that... Racing Project. <laughs> Is that, that, that what actually it's... what it's called? That's what it's called. Yeah, the Shinji oh Ikari God. Racing. I I've referenced it many a time on my my other podcast. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. I, I I did not know that was the name of it. Yeah, um, it's called the Shinji Ikari Racing Project. I thought you were doing a bit, and no. I thought it was funny. <laughs> no, the bit is that that's the name of the manga. <laughs> the bit is that you could call Neon Genesis Evangelion the Shinji Akari Racing Project. And all right, uh, actually, we can't do Evangelion because I feel like that would be just as self indulgent as Amory Wars for you and I, Emily. And not I can take a break all. once in a while. Although, if the point is for me to watch it, I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> or read it. Um, we we can do movies. We can we, we can branch. Anyway, can we do 26 episodes of an anime in five movies? Yes. If we can do Riverdale, I'm in. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's not a, you don't have to convince me. Um, but, you know, maybe that'll happen. Maybe in the future we will be doing a, uh, we'll be doing my personal Evangelion hatchet order uh, the way that I believe it's meant to be watched. Um, There's five but... Evangelion movies? Yep. Well, that's, Yes. Yes, the answer is Okay, no, is I don't yes. want to know. I don't want to know. I'm sorry I asked. I'm sorry I asked. The answer is yes. Some people will tell you that, you know, two of them are the same as things in the show, but, like, they introduce Mari and, you know, raise characters. It's, it's all, it's all. So it's like they take a season and put it into one movie kind of thing? It's complicated. They do that. That is the idea that uh, Hideaki Anno was like, I don't like this idea anymore after he did one of them. Uh, <laughs> And so then he's like, yeah, what if we, what if I did a two and a half hour movie that uh, explains why I think End of Evangelion is bullshit now? <laughs> and you know what? He's right. Wow. Um, but anyway, we should, uh, we should wrap the show. I... Oh, I love End of Evangelion. It's bull. It's total bullshit. <laughs> uh, I, 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 look, I, yeah, anyway. Um, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Crying Book Club. You can ask me for my uh, hatchet order of of Evangelion at, at uh, what's my Twitter uh, Mountain Dew Liker Mountain Liker Yeah. Um, and you can follow me on Letterbox at uh, JL Botbill, where I have logged all five of the Evangelion movies, and you can see me telling the truth about Evangelion 3.0, uh, which is that it sucks. <laughs> Um, you can <laughs> Emily. Where can people find you online? They can find me at mpandanada on Twitter. They can also find me on Twitch TV at pandabore. I am probably still playing the Ace Attorney games whenever this comes out. Uh, and you can also find my podcasts. Uh, Imagine Me and Utana, which is in its current form imagine me and mawari you penguin drum which is never fun or good to say uh or the fresh podcast market or uh that looks terrible which may or may not have an episode out by the time this goes out or a secret <laughs> other podcast because i cannot be stopped unfortunately Wait. Emily, you you don't know if an episode of a new podcast is going to be out yet, but there might be a secret podcast. There is this how confusing Evangelion is going to be if I try to watch it? Is it like yes, nine uh, different no, orders? No. The problem is, is that like I am not in charge of the release of 
either of these podcasts, so I can't actually guarantee when they win or will oh. not be out. Evangelion makes perfect sense if you follow my flowchart exactly. <laughs> Alex, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Hansiuk. That's it. Stay away. No other secret podcasts. No more. Ooh, you guys want to do another podcast? We'll talk about it after. Yeah. Okay, so cool. <laughs> to a secret podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, that is gonna uh, gonna do it for this week. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um before we go uh ah, sorry <laughs> sorry a lot just happened in the last three seconds you good no uh i, I hit the table and then mr mayor pete's dancer started dancing and- <laughs> <laughs> uh Alex is, has perfected the high hopes dance. By the time we record okay. the next episode, Alex is going to have this down bat. Yeah, he'll have it nailed. You know, it kind of works. <laughs> I, 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 maybe, maybe the uh, maybe this is like a secret like CIA code dance that like uh, Alex Alex did the whole dance perfectly and now he's like his he's been activated I feel a little different and I feel a little scared right now <laughs> <laughs>